Welcome to Burnside at Home for Sunday the 27th of February. Uh, Today we are in Daniel chapter 6 and we come to that most famous story of all from Daniel where he is rescued from the lion's den. So uh, do remember you can come and join with us in church at 11 o'clock each Sunday. Uh, We still have our COVID mitigations and social distancing in place at the moment, uh, but we'll keep you up to date with what's happening there and you'll be very welcome to join us. Do remember as well, there's a time of prayer on a Wednesday morning at half past nine, which you're very welcome to come to as well. And remember each day on the blog, there is a a devotional video uh, about Daniel. And then this week, we're beginning our series for Lent, looking at 40 women, unseen women from the Bible, from Eden through to Easter. So join with us on Wednesday, uh, the 2nd of March, for the beginning of that series. So let's worship God together. The psalmist talks in very clear terms about how God rescued him. And this could also be the testimony of Daniel from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So let's come before God then and let us pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, we praise you that you are the one who rescues us from the pit. You're the one, Lord, whenever we cry out to you and wait upon you, you hear our cry and you answer. We praise you, Lord, as we look back on our lives to give you thanks for the way that you have lifted us out of the slimy pit. You've lifted us out of the mud and the mire. You've set our feet on a firm place to stand. And Lord, we praise you that you are the rock, the place on which we can build our lives. And therefore, Lord, we trust in you today. We ask, Lord, that you would be at the centre of this time of worship, that as we read your word and as we study it together, may you speak to us, Lord, and may you draw us close to you. Help us to learn from the example of Daniel and help us to find our saviour within this story and see what it tells us about our salvation and our redemption. Lord God, we trust you, we worship you, we praise your holy name today. And ask, Lord, that you would be magnified in all that we do. Lord, as we uh, come before you, we bring to you the various situations that are concerning us at this time. We continue to pray about COVID and the relaxing of restrictions and how all of that will play out in society. We pray for our local government, Lord, and as we look ahead to elections, possibly in May, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct. And uh, we pray, Lord, for the executive at Stormont with no first and deputy first ministers. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would guide there and that very soon uh, that would be functioning once again. We think of Ukraine, Lord, and we pray for all the leaders who are involved in in diplomacy and in deciding what happens there. And Lord, we pray for restraint and great wisdom in all the decisions that are taken. Lord God, we remember our brothers and sisters in persecuted parts of the world who are suffering because of their faith.
We remember those who are serving you as global mission workers throughout the world. And we ask, Lord, that you would be glorified through all of this. So, Lord God, we bring our prayers to you now and we leave them in and through Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to read together from God's word and uh, Daniel chapter 6, reading all of the chapter, uh, which is a very familiar chapter to us, a very familiar story that we've heard uh, from we were children, Daniel and the lion's den. So today then we reach what is possibly the best known of all the stories about Daniel. Now, this is the last of our sermons from Daniel for a little while. Uh, We pause after chapter 6, I suppose for two main reasons. First, Lent begins this week on Wednesday, and we're going to start a series looking at 40 unseen women from the Bible, uh, leading us from Eden to Easter. Uh, Look into the blog on the church website each day for the devotional video. Uh, There is a book that goes along with the series that uh, you can order. Details are on the blog. Or if you'd like uh, to order it uh, through the church, there's a sheet in the vestibule. It will cost you £8. I think this is going to be a fascinating series as we look at the story of salvation from the perspective of these 40 women. So do join us and each Sunday we'll look in a little more detail at one of the women. There is a second reason for stopping um, our series in Daniel after chapter 6 and that is because the book takes a turn. It goes quite apocalyptic. Chapter 7 to the end, instead of containing stories about Daniel and his friends in Babylon, contains four visions that were given to Daniel about the future. And the second half of the book is, I suppose, the Old Testament equivalent to the book of Revelation. Now, I would like to return to complete our study, uh, but we'll take a little break and a very deep breath before coming back. So today we come to the very familiar lion's den with Daniel. So Daniel chapter 6 verses 1 to 28. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered. 
in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. King was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found in him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Amen. And we pray that God will bless the reading of his word today. 
This story is so familiar to us that I don't just want to retell it this morning because we already know the details, we already know what has happened and we've perhaps been reminded of them as we've just read through it together and maybe we've noticed a few little details that we didn't notice as children. So we, as we've been doing recently, let's look at the story and let's see where we can find Jesus and therefore see what we can learn about our salvation. And there are lots and lots of similarities between what happened to Daniel and what happened to Jesus. Think about these uh, things and um, contemplate our own salvation as we do so. In Daniel uh, chapter 6, the officials formed a plan to discredit Daniel. So these administrators, administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. And that's very reminiscent of what happened to Jesus whenever the chief priests and the elders of the people came with the accusations against Jesus in Matthew 26. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. The conspirators in Daniel's day could find no corruption in Daniel. No matter how hard they looked, they could find nothing wrong with him. So in Daniel 6 and verse 4 we read it, This the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And whenever it came to Jesus and they were trying to find fault with him so that they could get rid of him, they had to resort to false witnesses with Jesus. They had to bring people in and tell them what to say to try and build a case against Jesus. So in Mark 14 we read, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. And we find with Jesus, whenever he was on trial, that Pilate was not convinced by the, te- the false testimony. We read in John 19 verse 4, Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And as Daniel was convicted by trickery in verse 7 of chapter 6, well, so was Jesus. The facts just were not there to back up the case. Daniel was found guilty of transgressing the law of the Medes and Persians, a law that was put in place simply to try and catch him out. And Jesus was found guilty of transgressing the law of the Jews. They came to Pilate and said, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he is claimed to be the son of God. Darius unsuccessfully tried to save Daniel in verse 14. And then Pilate tried to save Jesus. But again, he was unsuccessful. Pilate offered them 
that it was the time of year whenever someone could be released. And they decided that they wanted Barabbas to be released, a terrorist rather than Jesus being released. And whenever Pilate heard the crowd and realized what was happening, he realized that he was going to have to go through with the crucifixion of Jesus. And when Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Daniel trusted in his God throughout this whole thing as he was uh, threatened with being thrown into the lion's den. And Jesus trusted his father. We find out that Daniel descended into the den or uh, the the pit of, of lions. And in a way, that was his grave. He was thrown in there to die. And when Jesus was crucified, he was put in a tomb. Daniel's grave, the pit, the the den of lions, was covered with a stone. You can read that in verse 17. And we know very clearly that Jesus' tomb was covered with a great stone. The king sealed the stone on Daniel's grave with his signet ring. And Jesus' tomb was made secure by sealing the stone in Matthew. The king found Daniel alive early the next morning and had him lifted out of the pit, lifted out of his grave. And, of course, we know of Jesus and Mark's gospel being lifted out of the tomb, rising from the tomb very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. It was early in the morning. And an angel appeared to them. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And after all of this took place, Daniel prospered because God had saved him from certain death. And Jesus prospered after God saved him from death. After his resurrection, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But Jesus is far greater than Daniel. Although Daniel claimed to be blameless before God, he was still a sinner. Jesus, by contrast, is the sinless Son of God. Daniel faced the possibility of death while Jesus actually died. Daniel rose from his grave, the pit of lions, only to die at a later date. But Jesus rose from his grave and he lives forever. God prospered Daniel during the reign of Darius. You can read that in verse 28. But we know of Jesus that God highly exalted Christ Jesus and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there is our salvation. 
laid out before us as we compare Jesus and Daniel and see the two stories interwoven. And we realise whenever we see a man being possibly attacked and torn apart by lions, just what our salvation and our rescue from sin is really all about. But as well as revealing Jesus in the plan of salvation, whenever we look at the lion's den from a slightly different perspective, Daniel also reveals where we fit into redemption's story. We discover that God can save all who trust in him. We find out about salvation through Daniel in much the same way as we discover salvation in many other well-known stories in the Bible. Maybe as I mention a few of these stories, you will very quickly realise that the same stories are repeated over and over again in the Bible. Now, why is that? Well, it isn't because God has no imagination and he can't think up other stories. It's simply because the Bible is about one story. It's about how we can be saved from our sin. And therefore, every story that we read in the Bible is explaining that to us. And therefore, it is so important that we understand how we can be saved from our sin that God keeps repeating the story over and over again to make sure that we understand it, to make sure that we don't miss it, to make sure that we don't forget about it. In Genesis, whenever God saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, he sent a flood to blot out human beings, but he saved the family of the blameless Noah. And remember that Daniel was described here as blameless. Noah trusted in God's ability to save him and his family, and God saved them. Much like Daniel trusted that God could save him. Later, whenever Jacob's sons threw their brother Joseph into a pit again, and then sold him into the pit of slavery, the Lord was present with him and God saved Joseph and then elevated him to a grand position and prospered him the same way that we see with Daniel and the same way that we see with our lives. We may not prosper in this life, but we will certainly prosper in the life that's to come. Still later, when Israel was in the pit of slavery in Egypt, Pharaoh commanded all the Israelites to drown their baby boys in the River Nile. But Moses' parents trusted in God's ability to save their baby. And therefore, instead of drowning Moses in the Nile, they placed him in a basket in the Nile. And God saved Moses through Pharaoh's daughter. And later he used him to deliver Israel from Egypt. And he used awesome signs and wonders. That same phrase that's used here in Daniel. As to how Daniel had been saved from the lion's den. 
The same God later used the signs and wonders to deliver Daniel from the lion's pit. After that, through King Cyrus, God delivered Israel from the pit of exile. The Cyrus that we read of at the end of this chapter is the one who is going to send the Israelites back to Israel again and allow them to rebuild the temple and rebuild the city and rebuild their homes. And then, as we think of all those stories and many more in between, in the fullness of time, God's saving power took on deeper dimensions. God sent his son Jesus to save his people from their sins and to give them eternal life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. Therefore, when Jesus comes again, he will deliver us from the brokenness we still experience in this life. In Revelation, we're told death will be no more. There'll be no more mourning and crying and pain, and God himself will dwell with his people. And therefore, Paul looks forward to the day when death will be swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So for all of this to make sense today, we need to appreciate that we are in a pit of sin. And there is no way that we can pull ourselves out of that pit. Do you remember the words that we began the service with today? They were a word of testimony from the psalmist. And I said as I read them that they could also be the words of Daniel as he was saved from the lion's pit. But I pray today that each of us could take these words and say them as our own. Not just the psalmist uttering them as a word of testimony, not just Daniel uttering them as a word of testimony, but that each one of us could speak them as a word of testimony. I waited for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord God Almighty, you are the one who lifts us out of the pit of sin, a pit that we are stuck in, a pit that we can do nothing about. And Lord, as you lift us up out of that mud and mire, you set our feet on firm ground. And therefore today, Lord, we stand on you, the rock, and we build our lives on you rather than the sandy ground. And we trust in you, and we worship you. Lord, be with us, we pray, and help us in everything that we do. We pray now that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us all, both now and forevermore. Amen.